On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, I'll discuss Buddy Heald's future with the Pacers and what it means in the big picture, and then a conversation with former Pacer and slam dunk champion Glenn Robinson III, who is gearing up for an NBA comeback. I know that Fieldhouse Files has a prolific following. You know, I just want to be careful about sharing too much with the world. And welcome into the Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. Before we get started, as always, you can read my latest work at fieldhousefiles.com, where if you subscribe, all my stories, you don't have to seek them out, you don't have to follow along on Twitter, they are delivered right to your inbox. Now, a few other stories of note before I get into the news of the day, the week, probably leading up to training camp regarding Buddy Heald. First of all, I'm back in town indefinitely. It feels good. I'm refreshed and ready to go for another season. If you don't follow me on Instagram, I spent the last week in Napa Valley my first time and had an incredible time. It was phenomenal. Highly recommend if you're a wine fan like myself. Read up on it, going into it, scheduled all these different tastings, got to know the area, Sonoma, Napa, Napa... Valley, the whole place, Calistoga, etc. It had a terrific time. It was amazing. Loved everything about it. The wine, the peacefulness. How about Pacific time? Although Twitter was uh, hard to keep up with in the morning when you're playing catch up. And then for whatever reason, I had my best sleep in years out there. Anyways, let's get to the Pacers and a few other things. First of all, Daniel Tice. What a high for him. Very happy for him earlier this month as he was a big key cog in what Germany was able to do and ultimately winning the FIBA World Cup and doing so uh, for the first time. That had to be special for him, and I wrote about it at fieldhousefiles.com in context to what he has experienced the last year. A year ago, he wasn't doing too well. He was disappointed. The host country was Germany, his country, and they had a disappointing effort in FIBA competition. Finished with the bronze medal, which was great, but They had bigger aspirations and ultimately only finished in third. And in doing so, he kind of forced himself to play, pushed himself maybe further than he should have. Uh, Coming off a finals appearance a year ago with the Boston Celtics, yes, he didn't play much, but you're committed to that team, and that went into mid-June. He took about a week off and then got right back to it, training and ramping up for international competition and then Obviously plays a role with Germany and played through that right injury, right knee injury, which really wasn't right until mid-year last season. That's why he really was an active participant in training camp, didn't play in the preseason, finally played in February after having a procedure to alleviate constant pressure, swelling in that right knee area. It's an incredible uh, story, really, I'm going to get to eventually here about only one doctor in the country doing this, flew private. Uh, to a little bit west to get that operation completed and then trained hard, trained his butt off to get back after it, to not only play but be there for his teammates. And then even though they shut him down after a half dozen games, he still was there on the bench for every game. He was still there in his game uniform, game warm-ups to be part of the team, feel part of the group, and help in any way he could, especially for so many of the young guys. But that had to be a cool experience for Daniel. And, and while Team USA had a disappointing showing, and that's going to happen when you put guys together kind of last minute, don't have a huge training camp and such, uh, still good experience for Tyrese Halliburton, 
an opportunity for him to hang out with other guys across the league. Maybe some recruiting. I don't know. <laughs> you got to hope so, I think, if you're the Pacers front office or a Pacers fan. But Daniel specifically got to be in great shape and in a good spot entering training camp with the Pacers this season, unlike he was last year. Also of note, how about the new area just north of Gainbridge Fieldhouse, south of Maryland Street, the Bicentennial Unity Plaza. And for paid subscribers on Fieldhouse Files, I went over there recently. It's been open less than a month and captured a ton of photos from that scene. So I, I realize, and it's probably true for the podcast as well as my subscribers, is the majority aren't in central Indiana. They're not even in Indiana. Um, I think I've subscribers in 46 states and I think it was 67 countries that's astounding to me and something I am grateful for but that's the reason I did something like that is I don't take for granted the fact that so many of uh, I'm right here by the field house most fans are not and may never get to the plaza many will but um, this is generally speaking it it was something made possible thanks to a grant from the Lilly Endowment Inc., which is a fabulous, you know, fun charity that gives back to the Indianapolis community. Um, but this area right there by the field house here, it's an open court in the winter. It'll be an ice skating rink. It's a place for maybe those that work downtown to eat, to um, work right there at some and tables. If you're just hanging out, you can pick up a basketball and shoot around. I know next week the Butler women's basketball team will practice there, or at least enjoy the space. Coming up, there will be smaller concerts. Uh, the organization announcing this week that there will be even be a moving screening at the end of the month of Hoosiers. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So a lot of cool opportunities there with plenty more to come. And just east of there is ongoing construction for at least several more months, probably through the end of the year, in terms of uh, Mel's Place, uh, a speakeasy, a restaurant, and event space on the third floor. Uh, that will be completed. That's a Simon project that Herb Simon's commissioning right there, and I really look forward to that, especially maybe before, after games. I think everyone will really be able to enjoy that space, the plaza, and a lot more, but I did want to hit on that. Um, in terms of the Pacers, most of the roster is already back in town. Some bets still remain away, but most guys back in town, not really called OTAs, but it kind of is off-season training unofficially right now with certainly the younger guys, first, second-year guys, all back, all getting after it. That includes Jarris Walker, who had off-season surgery, Matherins, your Nemharge, Neesmith, War, etc. You get the point. All those guys back in town and getting work in daily at the St. Vincent Center over there. So we're less than two weeks from the season, at least in terms of training camp and official practices and all of that. And that also reminds me of the fact that I noticed what the Pacers are doing from a sales standpoint in the last week, and that's promoting this Pacers Plus package, six games. It also includes, I think, a meet and greet with one player after one of the games. But more than that, It includes six months of Bally Sports Plus. Why is that important? Well, if you're like me and have YouTube TV um, or if you're others and have Hulu Live TV. Now, I noticed FUBU TV now carries Bally Sports again, so that's of note. But if you don't, how do you watch Pacer games, right? And so those that subscribe to at least a mini-series package, and i got to believe if you're a season ticket holder, you're getting Bally Sports Plus as well from the team for the six months, which covers most of the season here. You're able to watch road games. You're able to watch the home games you don't make it to. 
that's a very positive thing and a smart thing, I believe, that the Pacers are doing. So good to see that. I believe they did that same thing last year as well. And Bally Sports has to appreciate that as well as the ongoing dynamics of regional sports networks and what it looks like, what it doesn't. Well, one of the mega players come in, say an Apple TV Plus, uh, Amazon, and, and scoop up a package. Certainly it looks like NBC wants to get in there with TNT and I don't know. It's evolving, and most of you probably don't care as much about it. You just want to watch your team. But I'm a sports media nerd. Follow all of this closely, and so I'll continue. I'll continue to keep you updated as I learn more. Last thing here that I'm keeping my eye on is the jersey patch. Pacers without one currently. They had a multi-year deal with Motorola. You'll remember for the last five years, I want to say. Well, that expired at the end of this past season. So they've been a free agent for a patch. Um, and we'll see what route they choose to go with it right there for their uniforms uh, coming this upcoming season. All right, now let's move to the number one topic, primary topic you want to hear about with some info, some context, and that's one thing I take pride in, in trying to deliver. It's not just the story, but the why, how that worked, what was done, what has been said, those sorts of things. And in this instance, it pertains to veteran Buddy Heald. 30 years old, turns 31 in December. Like Daniel Tice, he had a really strong offseason. He continued playing and led the Bahamas uh, to a big victory over, what, Argentina? And in doing so, nearing clinching a berth to the Olympics next year. They have to play now in a, another qualifying tournament next year with a handful of teams, I think, in next July leading up to the Olympics. But a fantastic showing by him. DeAndre Ayton, by the way. Uh, Eric Gordon, EJ, from right here in Indianapolis. That had to be a fun team, and I look forward to talking with Buddy about that entire experience. Uh, Buddy has, by the way, changed his number, too, I should mention. No longer 24 for the first time since his freshman year in college at Oklahoma a decade ago. He wore a different number, but then switched his sophomore season to 24 for Kobe, to honor Kobe. Uh, and now he's moving away from that, kind of letting, all right, that's Kobe's number. Let's start this new era for him. Seven very meaningful to him and his family, uh, but 24, that was for Kobe. He idolized and continues to idolize Kobe. It's why he wears Kobe shoes as a partner with Nike. He signed with Landmarks Agency, all things uh, that Kobe did. Um, so that's why, in large part, Buddy changed his number there. But notable news was Wednesday afternoon. I was actually out in downtown Indianapolis on a walk, enjoying the great weather, listening to a podcast myself when got word and, and saw – Obviously, what you probably did as well. And Shams Sharania putting out Wednesday afternoon that rival teams say Buddy Heald could be traded. Uh, first question many may be wondering here is who leaked this, right? How'd this get out? Who does this favor? I don't believe either side did. Now, I don't think it favors anyone, quite honestly. Now, I believe more likely than not, Shams got this through other sources from other teams. And that will happen when other teams, or te like the Pacers, are calling around and checking in with other teams on an issue, um, on maybe how they value one of their players, uh, maybe calling around, as teams so often do. And remember, it's a small business. They know so many um, scouts, executives from other teams. There might just be a call just to check in on how one's offseason's going or how the golf game's going. And while that happens, hey, what do you think about Buddy? What, what, what would you give me for him? And then if you're on the other side, you got to be thinking, eh, wait, why do you bring that up? And that brought us to yesterday where all that getting out, um, Buddy has wanted a contract extension. Um, we 
talked with Kevin Pritchard. We asked Buddy about it. and It all starts with what his role is going to be, right? Uh, that's the biggest thing here because how do you value Buddy without knowing what type of role he's going to be in? Um, Buddy, of course, was acquired via trade with Sacramento. It was part of that deal for Tyrese Halliburton. And I think in a year and a half that he's been with the Pacers, Buddy has done a great job of showing that he was not just a throw-in. Yes, it was for Tyrese Halliburton, but he's a contributing factor here. He has only missed two games. Had a streak of 174 consecutive games played. He's their best three-point shooter, a 40% or better guy. Their best free-throw shooter. Reliable as they come. You don't have to worry about the work he puts in. I mean, Lloyd Pierce was talking about his routine to us last year during a practice. It was like, look, this guy, if he has a bad game, he's probably practicing not three times a day, but getting shots up five times a day. He invested in an incredible basketball floor at his Dallas home, and that's what he credits his improvement in his three-point shot from his first year with the Pacers to last year, going up, I think, 40, 36% to 42%. And he said, I got a lot more room for growth here to come. But obviously the tandem of Halliburton and Heald in the backcourt has been a lot of fun. This is these two, like Tyrese has admitted, like I hated Buddy to start. Then he said he warmed up to him. Then he understood him. And now it's that brotherly love. Like, they're thousands of miles apart during the FIBA World Cup. And they're FaceTiming. And they're DMing. And they're uh, sending public Instagram notes about who's leading the dunk contest, who's dunking more in those games, something they started uh, this past season. So those two love each other like brothers. In fact, I think it was in uh, May, maybe early April, late April, actually. It was Tyrese and his girlfriend, Traveled to the Bahamas with Buddy. So it's not contentious. It's all in good fun. And those two have been productive, most productive when they're playing together. So if you're Buddy, first of all, you see how Tyrese makes others better. Miles had a career season last year. Buddy continues to play well. You want for that to continue. Um, and, and Buddy was not liked for whatever reason. I don't understand it, but was not liked in Sacramento by fans. They voiced their displeasure, I think, and others have explained that you know they kind of tie him to the losing because he was there for many of the losing seasons, and he was traded away. Then they get back to the playoffs. Let's throw that out. Whatever the case, it seems kind of foolish, but he comes here. Fans love him. They love what he contributes. They love his reliability. You never wonder about a game, going into a game, will Buddy play? How's he feeling? One of the best things, one of the best quotes Buddy ever gave was, he can play hurt, he just can't play injured. So he's going to fight through it. You're going to have to hold him out. The only reason he missed two games last year was the betterment of the team. It was doctor's orders that he had the flu. His, he was told by, I think, his girlfriend, he said, to check into the emergency room at 2 a.m. because he was running a fever and wasn't feeling well, so he did. He told Dr. Samuels, the team doctor, and they decided, yeah, you, let's sit out for a few games and get you better because the last thing you want to do is for that to be contagious and it to negatively impact more than just you but the entire team or opposing teams, etc. So he did. He's only missed six games in seven seasons. And in this current era where it seems like you have to almost account for most guys missing 10, 15 games per season, Buddy wants nothing to do with that, and that should be appreciated. Uh, and that kind of goes along with what Buddy is feeling or not feeling. He wants to feel appreciated. He looks around just in the last six months, as I wrote in a, a, a 
Over 2,000 words at FieldhouseFiles.com. I'll get deeper into it, much more so than this podcast. But Buddy looks around and, you know, he sees Miles get that extension in February, a, a renegotiate and then extension. He sees Tyrese, and that was a no-brainer, but he sees Tyrese get a max extension. Then he sees the team pony up and give Bruce Brown, an NBA champion, $22 million for this upcoming season, a guy who hadn't even made that in his first several years in the league. In fact, last year he made six and a half. The Pacers more than tripled that number almost four times. Um, Slight overpay. There's a champion tax, if you will, put on that. But then I think Buddy sat back and said, hey, what about me? I'm going into a contract year. I'm always out there. I'm your best three-point shooter. I help make Tyrese better just like he makes the rest of the team better. They're huge about transition. Number one in the league in transition points last year. Buddy played his role, and he just wants to, I don't know, get some get the dividend himself a little bit. Other guys are getting the benefit. How about him? And there wasn't any ground made on uh, a contract extension here and, and over the last, I don't know, couple months. Um, I don't know exactly when contracts started, but this by no means was anything just last week or in the last few days. It's just now getting out. Um, is the fact of the matter there. And so I don't believe the door is closed on anything. However, it feels like Buddy wants one or the other, but not in a a demanding way. There's no trade request. There's no extension demand, of course. This is just him stating his preference and, and making his feelings known, I think, to the Pacers organization before another training camp. And so... um. This is kind of where you're at right now, and and to show how it's not super contentious, just his current wishes, he returned from his offseason, a brief vacation back home in Dallas, and then coming here to Indianapolis earlier this week, and has already been at the team facility, getting shots up, right? No surprise, because that's exactly what he does, and um, that's what you would come to expect with Buddy, and so now... Moving forward, I mean, a guy that's 40% from deep and a long ball threat, Rick Carlisle can't have enough shooters, and this had me digging into it more last night. Is Let's say you remove Buddy from the equation. Late in the game, who are you going to for an outside shot? Tyrese, certainly, you'd consider him. But then it's not exactly obvious. Bruce Brown, Aaron Neesmith, Andrew Nimhard, that's who you're probably considering right there. Maybe Miles Turner even. I think he was 37% from distance last season. But there's, see what I'm saying? There's no obvious guy out there. There's no J.J. Redick. There's no sharp shooter, I wouldn't say, on this roster. And Rick Carlisle loves his shooters. Loves them. And that's why it wouldn't surprise me to see a lot of small lineups this year. Maybe you'll see some of those backup bigs uh, that more could play the four or play the five. Um, or Jarris Walker at the five. Obi Toppin, probably not at the five, but perhaps. That's what's going to make this season so intriguing is not a lot is set in stone. That perhaps could be the theme of the season. And that's probably where the Pacers are headed right now, is they're still in figure-out mode. Because it's obvious, this is not a roster that is contending. In fact, I'm quite surprised that the roster didn't turn over more. They only lost one guy out of their top ten guys in terms of minutes from last season. Um, so, not a lot of turnover. You traded Chris Duarte who was injured for half the season last year, and O'Shea Brissett left in free agency. Um, and so I think for Buddy, for the Pacers, you got to decide what path you're on. And to that point, it goes towards the veterans. 
What is Daniel Tice's role? What is TJ McConnell's role? Is it here in Indy with the Pacers? Because obviously they're intrigued about Andrew Nimhart. And Benedict Matherin said in the offseason in June during the finals that he's probably going to be the starter at the three. That's probably coming from somewhere. His agent, maybe Rick, not for certain, but he's getting that from someone. He's not just making that up. And so I think the only locks to start is Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner. The rest open to interpretation. If I had to guess today, it'd probably be Bruce Brown, Benedict Matherin, and Obi Toppin. I don't know. Not obvious, though. I could totally buy into something like Andrew. Eh. The trouble is Bruce Brown making $22 million. It's hard to believe him continuing in a role as a six-man when you're the highest-paid player. Um, Rick Carlisle, you know, and I quoted him in my story today from, I asked him, I was like, hey, look, should I mean, does this basically mean Bruce is a starter? And he said, well, I mean, you can kind of read between the lines how much we're paying him. But at the same time, we want to see the chemistry and how these guys play out. They need defense. That's the thing. Any improvement from a team standpoint is going to start defensively. They have a ton of offense. A lot of creators. They need more. But it starts defensively, which makes me think you'd absolutely need either Bruce Brown or Andrew Nimhart in the starting lineup at the two. So it really comes down to that three spot. And is it Ben, your future, a guy you hope is a pillar along with Halliburton moving forward? Or do you go with what you know? You, you go with what's got you there, which has incredible chemistry with Tyrese, and that's talking about Buddy. So Buddy entering a contract year, he's going to make $19 million regardless for this upcoming season. That's third on the team below Bruce, below Miles. Keep in mind, Tyrese, yes, he signed an extension, but he's in the final year of his rookie deal this year. The money and, and paying for things on the team, maybe those dinners, new headphones, whatever, that starts next year when his big-time extension kicks in. And if he makes All-NBA, that grows from like $207 million total to about $260 million. So Buddy's 30. He's beginning this new era, new number. He wants to get paid, and Batley wants to experience the playoffs for the first time in his career. And again, I go back to what will his role look like. That's key in all this. And I think for the Pacers, if you're seeing Daniel Tice, TJ McConnell, and Buddy playing regular minutes in the rotation, 20 minutes per game, then you know the Pacers are committed to purely winning this season, getting back to the playoffs, making these fans proud, going all in on and no longer being that lottery team. However, if T.J. McConnell or Tice or Buddy are traded, all of them, or the minutes just aren't there, you know, Daniel Tice is playing behind Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith, and Andrew Nemhart is your backup point guard rather than T.J. McConnell, then I think we know something different. Then that suggests to us, all right, Pacers want to play the young guys, prioritize development, understand more what they have, and really hopefully make one more big swing in the draft lottery. Now, I've said all summer that hopefully that's the last time that the Pacers were in the lottery. They've done three years in a row. That's enough. They need to get back to the postseason. But it all depends on how things shake out, how the, the lineups and rotations look going into the season. We'll have four preseason games to check that out, two on the road, then two at home. But if they go towards the development aspect and Jarris Walker is getting more time and what does Ben Shepard look like and a lot of minutes for Nemhard and Matherin, then you realize it's a developmental type year and playoffs are just the bonus and they'll probably look to trade a couple of those guys then. That's what it tells us. Because right now, 
there's no free roster spots. Again, I, I know I'm a repetitive on this, but every year about this time, I, I just don't get, I would love to see the Pacers or any team for that matter go into this camp with at least one roster spot. Then you have a roster spot maybe for a couple camp guys to truly compete for, or more than anything, you could sign a guy you know, to fill a need, or you can absorb a two-for-one in a trade. Right now, the Pacers failed to get the roster clarity that they needed in the offseason. They failed to move on from another guard and another center, so there's a logjam, and more clarity is needed there. What are we doing here with the centers, right? You got Miles, but then is it Tice, Jackson, <laughs> Smith? Obi Toppin, you could throw in that fold. Those are all things for the coaching staff and then the front office to to shake out and see how things go. But in terms of trades right now, I mean, not many trades happen. I think the best-case scenario here is for the Pacers to sit back and then get involved where they can, much so reminds me of a couple of years ago in terms of what they did with Victor Oladipo. Uh, it was a big James Harden deal getting him to Brooklyn. And Chad Buchanan got in on that late for the Pacers, the team's general manager, and ultimately they moved Victor Oladipo, who clearly signaled he wasn't going to re-sign here and wanted out, moved him to Houston, and they got Karis LeVert back. Ultimately, the Pacers, in a couple of seasons later, moved on from Karis and got another couple picks in exchange for all that. So it worked out. Um, I think that's probably the best case because there's just no obvious trade right now. A lot of rosters are set. Teams want to see what they have. Maybe in a month or two, when there's a key injury, uh, when a team that is pushing for the postseason, and not just pushing for the postseason, but a finals run, wants a, a spot-on shooter, space floor spacer like Buddy, maybe in January, that's when some deal could happen. Right now, I just don't think anything will happen anytime soon unless maybe both sides give a little bit and they're able to find an extension that works well for both sides. I, I just spitballing here, I haven't given it a ton of thought just yet. You know the salary cap's going up. You know Buddy will be 31 uh, when his next deal starts. I think maybe if you're the Pacers, you're willing to, like, you are able to renegotiate a little bit. Maybe you give them a three more million this year. Pacers have $7.5 in cap space available. Maybe you give him three, and then you give him uh, an additional two years, $40 million. That's basically the same deal. Um, but he he's you know only getting older, and they're trying to go young. Maybe that's a little bit in the slap of the face, and you'd want more like two for fifty. So ultimately, you renegotiate and you get two for fifty three. Would that satisfy him? I'm not sure what number would make Buddy happy, but those are kind of the numbers I'm spitballing in my head. I can't imagine something like two for sixty, thirty million to commit to him. That is a lot. Uh, for a guy, quite honestly, the thing I would go back to here is you haven't reached the playoffs, and winning is number one. Yes, it's about the team, but you can play a contributing factor in here. So from the Pacers' standpoint, I want to see more winning. How do you impact winning? How do you possibly impact a team? And he does in many ways. That's one area you, you everyone would want to see more there. And, uh, one key thing to note, too, in terms of a trade, Pacers couldn't just you know do a first-round pickback. I guess they could, but... The key thing here with the new CBA is you need to be over the salary floor here before the regular season. So let's say today you deal him for a first-round pick. Well, that then you got to go. Then you're under the salary floor. You do have a free roster spot, but you need to add something um, to satisfy that kind of requirement there. Um, again, yeah, no available roster spots. And what will be interesting 
is here in about a week. Uh, early next week, we'll hear from General Manager Chad Buchanan, who will talk to us and preview the season for the second straight year. Uh, the Pacers are making members of the front office available uh, before media day, which is October 2nd. First day of training camp is October 3rd. We'll talk with Chad uh, hopefully coming up, I think, on Monday. Uh, last thing I did want to touch on this is, is I know a lot of sports fans in India are probably frustrated because they look over and they're like, again, we're dealing with this with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts right now. Not quite apples-to-apples situation. A little bit different. With Buddy, if no resolution is made before training camp, I don't think he'll be a distraction or an issue. I think he's just made his preference known, and so they're working towards that. And that's kind of where they're at right now is at least my understanding. Uh, Hopefully we'll learn more in the next week. And again, yeah, but he's been at the team facility this week. No reason to think he would be absent moving forward. To end this podcast, I'm going to share my conversation with GR3, Glenn Robinson III, Indiana native, former Pacer. Well, we spoke a couple months ago. That story's free at fieldhousefiles.com for all to read. A big feature about what he's been up to. Oh, he went back to school, uh, to Harvard, and succeeded there. How he's kind of been laying low, taking care of his daughter, getting rights to her. And then more so, the last six months, been on the West Coast and quietly both working on a dunk course, slam dunk contest course, if if you want to dunk and, and be better at that. And also training and locked in on a return. He still believes he still has more to give to the game. Been out of the league for the last several years. His time with the Pacers ended in unfortunate fashion. Remember that injury in the preseason? Um, he played then the next year very well for the Warriors uh, when they were down and had many injuries, but then they ultimately made business decisions and traded him to Philly where it just didn't really work out from him, and then he has been out of the league. But we talked about what he's been up to, got caught up on what he's been doing, how he's trained, what he looks forward to. Uh, This was a conversation we recorded right before Las Vegas, uh, before going to Summer League, and then he was out there for several days working out for a handful of teams, including the Pacers. He said Pacers had two scouts there, um, and he thought it went well, and he's since worked out for several teams at their facility, the Warriors, the Celtics, and he has more to come. Not signed anywhere but still trying to figure out what's next and, and being in shape and making himself available. But one thing he was willing to share with me for his dunk course, which went live last week, it's available at GR3. GR and the number three dot biz. And if you use the code he shared with me, VIP Dunk Fam, VIP Dunk Fam, you can get 25% off. So if you're interested in learning how to dunk or teaching your kid how to dunk, uh, what have you, I'm sure it's a, a thorough documentation and knowledge there because as he shares in this conversation why he did it there wasn't a lot of resources for him back in 2017 when he was looking into the slam dunk contest and then won it so he wanted to create something and then he went to harvard business school and learned more about that and i think that helped shape this and really impress them and uh, something he has been wanting to do so that's a gr3.biz vip dunk fam is the code. I'm loving it, man. I, I left in February, uh, put my house on the market for renters. Oh, dang. And it's just going well. So still still an Indiana guy. I'll always be at heart. <laughs> uh, but I'm making this home base, you know. And it's, it's been cool to connect with, like, Solo. Solo's out here. Okay. So we're supposed to meet up for lunch, like, uh, next week or so. So um, got a few friends out here as well. That helps. That's what you want. 
I seen Karen not too long ago. Okay. I went in, in there. I'm actually I saw you doing some developing. video or something. Yeah, man. I, I got a, a program coming for kids. It's an online course teaching them how to dunk. And uh, <laughs> nice. it's, it's going to be pretty cool, so I'm about finished with it. There you go. That's fun. Yeah. I've always wanted to kind of help help them. And when I won a dunk contest, I've seen, like, some some practice. I got some practice and some secrets of mine, like, that I wanted to share with others. Because, you know, these kids, like, dunking is like shooting a three. So, like, I've always, even when I was younger, <laughs> I bought the jump sole shoes, like, DVDs, all these YouTube videos to, like, get your vertical up. So right. I really put in there, like, it's not a, hey, here's a workout and this is how you get your vertical up. It's more like these are the things that I do to actually make the dunks, and this is how you cock it back. This is how you go between the legs. This is how you do behind-the-back dunk, 360. You know, so it's going to be pretty cool. I think I'm, like, the first one to kind of do a like a dunk course, dunk mastermind, you know. Yeah, I can't think of it. The only thing, like, maybe similar I could think of is the people I think you hired was, like, that yeah. they're built for stuff like this of, of uh, competing in dunk contests. Exactly, exactly. So, it's make me happy, man. I know a lot of kids are, are going nice. to uh, get some use out of it. Um, and, and that's kind of just what I've been up to. Besides, and other than that, you know, I've been training and getting ready for a few workouts that's coming up. There we um, go. <clears throat> you know, I, I hired a new agent. So, the plan is to uh, be ready and, and host some workouts out in Vegas. Um, I know, like, the Bucks, Celtics, and Warriors are, are, are calling, like, an on, on our list mm-hmm. pretty heavy. So we'll see by the time July, I think, 9th, 10th, and 11th come. Uh, those might be the dates I'm out there in, in Vegas in Summer League, and we're going to host some private workouts to try to crack that door and get back in this thing. So. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. How long does it take to, like, get back into it? I mean, it's kind of funny just because, like, a lot of people, when they found out I was, you know, coming back and playing again you know everybody just calls it like a comeback and I'm like hey I never I never said that I was done playing you know so uh, and then I'm 29 you know so Mm -hmm. I'm like it's not like I lost anything and it's been kind of fun like uh, talking to my agent now his name is uh, Keith Kreider and talking to Keith and I'm like hey do these GMs really think that I'm like out of shape or have a gut or, and he's like, yeah, when you spend two seasons off, you know, a lot of these guys, most, most people will get a gut, be out of shape. You don't know how they're going to be. Um, and I'm like, you don't have to worry about that with me. Mm-hmm. So I've secretly kind of been training and getting ready for the last, you know, four, four months, I would say, um, four or five months. But, it's it's like riding a bike you know once I got back in the gym and committed myself to okay this is what I want to do you know I know I never said that I was done playing but I had took two seasons off so coming back I'm like man I need to step it up I need to you know take my mental game to a whole nother level I need to take my physical game to a whole nother level I know teams want to see if I'm aggressive see how you know, these things that I were a little timid to and shy to before I left, how is he coming back, you know, being 29, you know, being a vet now. Um, so i just taken pride in all of that, you know, and something that I think about that I know a lot of people will have a question about is like, what has he been up to, you know, what has he been doing? And um, I would say to that, like, 
everybody knows about my relationship with my daughter and you know my daughter is my whole world basically and uh when i stepped away during covid things were a little weird you know and i took the time to get to know my daughter uh, a lot of people do know that i'm you know dealt with the indiana court system which is not easy to deal with you have to basically mm-hmm. be a lawyer yourself in order to uh in order to get what you want and, and maximize your time with your kids um and you know my mom and dad were never in the court system and my dad was worth a hundred million dollars so to me you know it was never about the money that i'm making in the league you know it was more about gaining a relationship with my daughter um and that's what i've been doing you know i've been i've had time to see my daughter spend quality time with her uh fight for her in court um and like i said it took a real mental toll on me not being able to see her as much while playing um and that was a that was a big issue so i did what i felt like was right and i did what uh i wanted to you know form that relationship with my daughter more um and now you know coming back into this space i really want to be a voice and of for like people who so you don't quit and don't give up no matter what you're going through um i think life hits us differently at all times but there's a lot of people who quit or give up on their dreams or something might go wrong and they're just done. And I knew, I knew I wasn't done yet. I knew I still had more in the tank. You know, I knew that for seven, six years prior, this being my job, being what I love to do, I wanted to come back and really make a strong impact and really make a strong, you know, comeback as people say. So um, that's kind of what I've been up to on the side. You know, other than that, people know I went to Harvard. I did. I, I graduated number one in the class at their Harvard Business School. And uh, while I've been forming this, you know, relationship with my daughter and spending more time with her, um, I've really become a businessman off the court as well. I love that. It's your daughter, Ari, right? Ari, yeah. Yep. And she's five, five now. Five, oh, man. That's crazy. Yeah. You it said, crazy. why did you choose to go to Harvard and what the biggest thing you took out of that experience? Yeah, it was interesting. Actually, uh, I speak with Karen Atkinson a lot from the Pacers mm-hmm. and player development. Uh, and she shot me an email. She had been seeing that I've been doing some business stuff. And she shot me an email about a year ago. And she was like, hey, Glenn, you know, you should relook at this. And every year Harvard sends us uh, their course, their program and asks, um, current athletes and then retired athletes if they want, if they would like to participate in any courses coming up. So I applied and they responded back in like two days and I got in nice. and I just applied like, Hey, let's see how this goes. I don't know how to, how to, if they're going to accept me or whatever. And they accepted me like in 24 hours, 48 hours. So, um, I got in, went to actual, went to Harvard for two days. Um, and, part of this four-month program that okay. they have, uh, Introduction to Business. Um, I, like I said, the final wasn't a final exam where you have to sit down and take it, but it was more of a uh, like a speech and a, um, a speech that we had to do with our teacher, and I actually ended up getting number one in the class. So it was a really good feeling for me knowing that all my hard work is kind of paying off outside of basketball as well, you know, with some goals that I have for myself. What drives you to return, I guess? I'm trying to think of the right phrasing, not come back, but um, to get back after it. What, what's fueling that? What's the motivation here? I would basically say what's fueling me is, 
you know, I never said that I I never came out and like, hey, I'm going to retire and this is it and this is, you know, basketball is over for me. So I'm like being 29, still being young enough to go out there and do what I'm supposed to do. I'm really inspired by my story and how I can help others. I've always wanted to help other people, but now I think I put a whole, you know, twist to it where it's like I'm not going to give up on, you know, what I've worked 20 years for. Um, so I would say what's driving me and fueling me is is my family, uh, the goals that I set for myself as being, you know, who I want to be and a person that I want to be, and that's not someone who um, would step away from the game right now, you know. So I would say uh, my family, my daughter, and just still having the capability to be able to go out there and do it, you know. Um, I'm able to I, I just hit 22 threes in a row, and I kind of put the tweet out there. But it's like it's <laughs> yes. like riding a bike. It's literally in my blood, you know. Um, today was the day, actually, that my dad was drafted number one um, in 94. So I would say it's a lot of unfinished business for me. I like that, a little unfinished business. Good deal. What, what would your message to teams be is, hey, give me a chance. You know what I was capable of, and I'm still taking my game to another level at just 29. Yeah, I would say my confidence uh, in who I am as a person and who I am as a basketball player, I think, is at an all-time high. Um, you know, I, I look back into when winning the dunk contest in 2017 and how I was able to respond after that was my confidence was through the roof. Yeah. And I remember the last, like, 20 games after they were coming back from the break, um, it felt like I had that hot hand. Like, it felt like I was locked in when guys – hit their career high, and after the game, you know, reporters asked them, what was going on through your mind? Did it feel like you were just locked in in the zone? And that's how I feel right now. You know, I feel really just locked in, like I'm not done yet, and, and I haven't shown everything that I have to do in basketball. So I would say to other teams, you're definitely getting a vet, um, and these guys need 3 and D, you know, the wing play, I think, more than ever. And what I do by being able to run the floor, you don't have to worry about me off the court, and to be able to shoot it, um, I think that teams really are, are looking for that more than ever. So um, what I'm telling them is, hey, my, my mindset coming into this thing is, like, way different than any other time. I'm really focusing on being that dog and attacking every day and just focusing, controlling what I can control on, you know, and I know that my skill set is, you know, good enough to be in the league. Being away for a couple of years, like, what do you miss the most? Is it just the camaraderie and being around the guys and the, the daily interactions with an athletic trainer, an assistant coach, and a video session, stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, I, I laugh sometimes. Just being away from the game, you know, you go to the doctor, you really got to wait in line for 15 <laughs> minutes. You know, you go to the dentist, you know, you, you don't sneak in the back door and they sit you down and do your cavity real quick. You know, you have to wait. You have to schedule things, you know. So I would definitely say the – um, the access, you know, the everything that we have to in our facility from haircut, haircuts to food to the weight room, you know, everything's all in one. And people really do. This is one thing I talk to my girlfriend about um, a lot is, like, people look at NBA players. I, I never realized how they looked at athletes in general. You know, looking at athletes is like looking at a, a rapper or a singer to most people. And I would say what I miss, what I miss the most, or not necessarily miss the most, but what I learned the most is 
really what you're capable of doing as an athlete on and off the court and how people view you. Um, so I think that's what I mean kind of with my, my mindset and my mentality moving forward is really taking advantage of everything that the game has to offer. Um, and I think that that comes with maturity, you know, um, and then to the business side of things, being a professional athlete can help you in, in so many ways, you know, and I already have the, the credit and, you know, some of that due diligence that I've been in the league six years. But like I said, I think a lot of it comes from unfinished business. You know, I see a lot of teams, I'll watch games, and I'll be like, man, I could be a perfect fit to help the Warriors in this run. They were just missing a wing, you know. Um, the Mavericks were missing a wing who could D, play D and, and knock down a couple shots. Uh, so I just know my capability, and, and I really think that I'm not done yet. Wish the best for you. Anything else I'm missing or I haven't touched on here? I appreciate it. Um, what I think about a lot is I was with the Warriors, had career numbers. Um, previously before that, I had a talk with Kobe Bryant before he passed, and I had a chance to go to Kobe's camp he was going to do annually. And Kobe had 25 players there, including me, and I was able to get into the camp by basically Phil Handy. I knew Phil. Gotcha. And uh, from me, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Jordan Clarkson, I mean, it was literally the top 25. There. Was that at the Mamba Academy? The, yeah, it was at the Mamba okay. Academy, yep. And uh, this was the first year he was doing it, and he was going to continue it every year as part of his give back and really making that, you know, incentive to, to help players as he was retired. So. Yeah. I asked him two questions. I asked him, hey, do you meditate? And if so, what is what is it? Uh, which type of meditation do you do? And he goes, yeah. Um, I said, because I do transcendental meditation, and I had just started it a couple months previously uh, before the camp. And he goes, I do Zen meditation. Continue to do transcendental meditation is so is very similar, and I, I guarantee you everything's going to change if you can do do meditation once a day. I did that, and I had career year uh, and career numbers with the Warriors. And I know people talk about how bad our team was, but for a guy to be able to play almost every game, which I did, um, to guard the best players and to continue to have my shooting percentage, I felt like that I had with the Warriors was really like a turning point for me as a player. Um, and then you got we dealt. All know I got and that's what traded, happened, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you were yep, shooting like 40% and in a groove and, and playing 20-some minutes yep. per game. Yeah. Yep. So I would say, you know, that is the type of player that I know that I'm capable of being, and that's the type of player that, you know, I really want to respond with and, and help a team, uh, you know, help a team with. So I, I think about that a lot. I continue all of my meditation, and I really feel like my mindset is just – the best that it's been to be able to withstand 82 games to be able to handle that and plus I had a couple seasons too to get my body completely right so I'm excited coming back um like I said I'm just blessed to still be young enough to do it gotcha that was going to be my last question not a lot of guys can do it you know like I've searched (laughs) and I've I've looked up like hey how many guys have made the transition back Um, I haven't found like all of the research that I want uh, because I want to drop those actual numbers like especially being second rounder I was a second rounder like how many guys can actually come back and make a comeback or make a return and it's not it's not that many yeah that that seems like a difficult thing to look up 
and, and find a complete database of. But I, I think my last question was just simply, are you completely healthy or is there any health concerns going into this? Yeah, no, I'm completely healthy and nice. uh, I'm pretty excited about that. You know, uh, I, I had a lingering issue kind of with the Kings uh, right before I was released. I had hyperextended my knee uh, and then with the Sixers, right when that trade happened, I, I got hit in the in the ribs, and I had a, a basically a tear in my in my ribs. So um, I'm completely healthy and and ready to go, and uh, that's what I focused uh, put a lot of time focusing on to make sure that I'm that's not a liability for a team that wants to sign me. You know, a lot more to come here on the Fieldhouse Files podcast. Believe it or not, less than two weeks away from another season. I think it's my twelfth, a dozen. Oh boy. A lot of them. Their number is quickly increasing. That'll do it for this episode of the Fieldhouse Files podcast. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Don't take that for granted. And as always, you can read my work in its entirety at fieldhousefiles.com. And I'll talk to you again soon. Soon.